0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today we're going to talk about going from self-annihilation to self-acceptance to self-promotion. In some literature, suicide and suicide ideations are referred to as self-annihilation or wanting to end one's life. Um, This information I'm going to present to you today is part of what I distilled from the webinar I attended by Dr. Laura Shannon House. Um, Now, I've parsed together a few bits of uh, information from different webinars that I attended on suicide prevention, and I'm going to put them all together, but The bulk of this information is coming from uh, Dr. Laura Shannon House. And I'll link to the webinar that I took through the Mental Health Academy in the show notes. If you've been uh, following along, you'll know that uh, I attended a weekend seminar on suicide prevention, and they had about nine to ten different speakers, uh, whether they were therapists, psychologists, authors, Uh, and people who spoke from personal experience of trying to end their life. And I've been sharing that information uh, on this podcast, breaking it down in a different episode. So uh, today is a part of that, and I'm excited to hop into it with you. This presentation, this webinar, and the information I'm presenting was packaged for counselors and school psychologists to work with students. But a lot of this information uh, can easily be used for a- any demographic and for most people. And if, if you, the listener, are like, well, I'm not a counselor or a psychologist, you still may recognize some of your ideations in here and then also find a pathway to self-promotion, to life promotion, to growth. So there's, there's something in this for everyone. Uh, so let's get started. The first part that she talked about in terms of helping someone move from self- annihilation to self-promotion is we really want to spend time listening to the person's story. Uh, you know, if I don't know if you've ever had to talk someone down or been in that situation, but really listening to someone or feeling heard is so valuable like that's really the first step in Um, understanding what's happening with this person. And and what she found is that it usually takes on average about 16 minutes. And I'm going to round that up to 20, right? 20 minutes is about the length of time that the average person, if they haven't been seeing a psychologist, seeing a therapist, haven't talked to anyone, if this is their first time really opening up really, 20 minutes is about the, the time that they'll need to really feel heard. And so this is important to know because that way if you as an individual want to reach out to someone, you can say to that person, hey, do you have 20 minutes to uh, to hear me or listen to me or uh, to just be on the other end of the phone call? There's something nice about knowing about, how long it takes to to feel calm, soothe, or at least to get back to neutral, right um, so ten to twenty minutes twenty minutes on average, I know in some cases I shared in a previous episode one gentleman um, had was talked was on a on a bridge, and the officer talked to him for about ninety minutes uh, I think obviously that's way above the norm, but I think on average. We're looking at about 20 minutes of someone needing to open up. And so, and this is really us and listening in that situation really involves us, if we're the one listening, is to be asking them questions. Tell me more about that. How did that feel? Uh, um, Tell me more about that. You know, just really digging a little, helping them actually dig a little deeper into their emotional experience of it uh, before we, you know, we come in with, well, you should do this or do that. you know. We, so we really want to connect before we try to correct. So listening is, is that first part. Um, and, in, and in listening, we want to identify the parts of them that want to live. When people say they want to end their lives, or even when I think about ending my life, It's not that I want. It's like it's not that all of me wants to die. There's a a part of me. Usually, it's it's my head that wants to go there, uh, or my chest. It's usually from the neck up that that I'm like, we got to get rid of this part of me, right? Um, But most of me, my ankles, feet, toes, elbows, (laughs) my. Maybe you know even my chin. I, I think actually I, I say the neck up, but I think my chin definitely wants to live. Uh, you know my my armpits. They they got no beef with nobody. So really helping the person identify the parts of them that want to live, and then also uh, what they want to live for. Usually parents, siblings, pets. Activities, future possibilities—these are all different things that anchor people to life. They give them a reason to want to keep going. So, if we can identify uh, or listen for—I should say—listen for the parts of them that want to live, and then listen for who they'd be, who they'd want to live for, or what they w- would want to live for, right? Uh, is there a person? Is there an object? Is there an activity? Is there a future possibility that gives them a reason to keep going? Right, um, and 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 part of that uh, listening, we we then want to move into uh, part or, or the third, the second part, which is goal setting. Right. So, and and when we're looking at goals, there's three parts when we are when we are listening to someone where we are when there's someone who is thinking about ending their life we want to look at it in three parts one is first survival and safety that's the first part right does this person have access to a weapon a means uh you know are they do we need to get them off the bridge like what is a survival and safety how safe can we get this person first and then the second thing we want to do is uh get them back to neutral, right? A lot of times when we think about uh, trying to help someone or save someone, we think that we have to get them to being happy or joyous or make them laugh. That's not the goal here. The The goal here is to first make sure that they are safe and secure, and then the second goal is to reduce, reduce risk by getting them back to neutral, getting them back to zero, making sure their heart rate is down into a normal range, their breathing is normal, that they feel calm and present. And then in the third part, then we can go through their suicide experience to discover those growth opportunities. Meaning, what if, so for instance, if someone says, uh, I want to end my life because uh, this girl broke up with me. Well, now we know that relationships are valuable to you. And so now if I want to go into that growth opportunity, I can say, you know, what other relationships are valuable to you? Who else do you care uh, a lot about? Or who do you think cares that much about you? You know, so we can through their through listening to them right initially through listening to their story we're also listening for growth opportunities things that matter to them so we want to go from what's the matter to you to what matters to you that's what we're listening for what matters to you if you you know we have someone who especially dealing with students they get a B on their report card and to them a B might as well be an F. Well, we know that achievement, accomplishment, that matters to them, Uh, ambition. And so we can then point out other areas uh, in which they have achieved and can still achieve and then also point out what they may have learned in that process and the opportunities. A lot of times, if we don't get the grade that we want, we feel like it's the end of the world because we also then feel like, we're going to let down our parents or we're going to let down other people and we're afraid of what that means. And so now we know that your parents and their opinion matters. So now we can bring the parents in, get the parents involved, and have the parents reassuring the student how much they love and care for the, their child, um, although that may not have been the message that the, the kid feels like they have received. And 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 also for us, sometimes when we fail at things in life, if we feel like we're a failure as a parent, a failure as a, a partner, a failure as a professional or business partner, right, to share that pain with the person that we think we have let down and to say, hey, you know, I really feel like I, I've let us down. Now, they may double down on that. They may be like, yeah, you have let us down. You know, they may even be so harsh as to say, yeah, you are a failure. And, and, and that hurts and that struggles. So if we feel like that might be the response, right, this is when we talk to someone else, whether it's a therapist or a coach or um, a best friend or go to a support group um, or to identify what we've learned in the process of, this failure, right? We can even pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, I can't even believe I got this far. Because a lot of times what's interesting, and I noticed this for myself, you know, I'll beat myself up over failing at something. And if I really look back, I recognize I didn't even think I was going to get that far. And now I'm upset because I didn't go further. It's it's so funny, the tricks that our, our mind plays on us, right? So... We uh, The three goals are first survival and safety and then getting to neutral, getting the baseline, and then going through the suicidal experience to discover the areas for growth opportunities, right? So this is why it's so important in that beginning to really listen to the story and also to listen to our own story, to hear the stories that we're telling ourselves because on the other side of that story of, why we want to end our life or why we want to self annihilate is the opportunity for growth, you know, in physics. And I've mentioned this before in physics, um, the opposite is also true, right? So if this means the end of the world, this can also mean the beginning of a new life, right? So that shout out to physics coming through with the information. Um, so what's the pathway to hope, right? We've kind of talked about this already. And there are uh, two, two pathways to hope, right? So the pathway to hope, how do we find hope? One is we talked about understanding, really understanding the pain, the frustration, the friction, the stickiness, understanding our own pain and frustration, right? And it can sound like I have no motivation, No energy, it hurts too much, I can't think straight, it's too much pain. Um, And when we have those thoughts, that lets us know we're kind of in survival mode, right? Now, if we have the thought of, I can't think, my head is cloudy, Uh, I have a, a million thoughts racing, that lets us know we're feeling a bit anxious. Now, if our self talk is, I feel helpless, I've tried everything, I'm trapped. This feels unsolvable. Then we know we need to problem solve and figure out how to manage whatever the situation is. And then the last kind of thinking that we want to unpack is, um, is it, 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 do I feel like I've been betrayed, mistreated? Do I feel attacked? Am I fearful? Then we know that um, the, the challenge is with our relationships. So it's really important to identify the self-talk and understand what our self-talk is so that we can know what kind of mode we're in. Am I in survival mode? It, it, you know, from because the pain is too much and the hurt is too much? Or do I feel anxious? Do I have a bunch of uh, uh, thoughts running through my head, cycling through, uh, ruminating over and over again? Or do I feel helpless and trapped and it, it just feels unsolvable? I mean, for myself... I know that part of my uh, running internal dialogue is the feeling of trapped, uh, and the the feeling of uh, too much pain. This is unbearable, right? So, and then sometimes it, it and then relationships, right? The betrayal, the mistreatment. I, I mean, basically, it's all these things. So, when we can identify what the what the chatter is with that internal dialogue is, then we we can kind of parse in like, okay, do we need to problem solve? Do we need to go into survival mode? Are we in survival mode? Or is this about relationships? And then we can figure out a plan for how to repair and get us back to neutral. So you know, tying into this pathway to hope, once we have an understanding of what that the friction, the frustration where we, we feel stuck really, then we can even go to, into, uh, then we go into planning. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit with the understanding, right? We also need to understand, is there substance use involved? Uh, do we anticipate loss of freedom or uh, are, are we scared of a transition that's coming up, whether that's transitioning into retirement or uh, from one school to the next? Is there a fear of failure? Do we feel overwhelmed? So we really want to understand the different fears, the different uh, internal dialogues, uh, and, and where we really feel stuck. And then we can go into planning. But we need to lay everything out on the table first, right? Um, and in that planning, that's where we're, we're doing goal setting, we're creating a safety plan. And this definitely should be collaborative. If you're working with someone, you want them to feel like that they are steering the ship and not us steering the ship. And also, you know, for you as a listener, this is some of your internal dialogue and where you are right now to make sure that you are actively engaged in your safety plan and in the goal setting and not um, letting someone dictate to you what your next five to ten steps are. Uh, You should definitely be involved. Now, here's what what was interesting from the webinar. Uh, There was a strong emphasis on our ability to tolerate, that we need to be able to tolerate risk, uncertainty, and attachment. I want to say that again. We want to be able to tolerate risk, uncertainty, and attachment. When I say we, I mean we as the one who are suffering with the, or struggling with the suicidal ideations, right? Right. in order for us to grow, for us to move forward, there's a lot of risk involved. There's a lot of uncertainty. And there is a fear of a loss of attachment, attachment to our friends, to our identity, to the way things were. And a lot of times that can keep us in these relationships, in these helpless situations, uh, in this friction state instead of moving forward it becomes so comfortable and familiar for us that to to grow to move forward to actually engage with our plan uh it feels too risky too uncertain and there's just no and we just feel like uh there's no way that um and we feel too attached to the people who are in the life that we have now so for instance you'll oft you'll sometimes will find that someone is about to go off to college and their friends aren't going to college and so because they have a a fear of that loss of attachment, they don't go to college or you have someone who is about to be discharged from the military, but their friends are staying in the military, so they stay an extra year two years to be with their friends in the military um, that but so. That transitioning from one state to the next, even if it's something that benefits us, there will be a level of risk, uncertainty, and uh, a change in attachment. So to make so it's important that we are aware of that, and that if we're working with someone to make them aware of the the risk, uncertainty, and attachment that might hold them back or might make them afraid to uh, move forward, right. Um, or they might even get stuck, they might start moving forward, and then the, the risk and uncertainty and attachment, those three things start to bubble up, and then we we lose progress, right? So when we are setting goals, we're we looking at doing one of two things. One is to create higher goals or to break the goals that we do have into smaller bite-sized steps, right? Because sometimes... If we are underperforming, right, that could be holding us back. And then we can get into this place where we feel trapped and helpless and things feel unsolvable uh, because we're really not, sometimes it's because we're not pushing ourselves or we're not, I don't want to say pushing, but challenging ourselves in a very healthy way. Uh, our goals aren't, aren't high enough. So we're kind of just in this swamp of existence uh, we're doing stuff, but we're not moving anywhere. We're not, we're not like in a river where there's an ebb and flow of information and communication and friends and uh, social networking and all those things that give us life. We kind of just become a swamp. We feel stuck. And then that becomes depressing and stressful and, you know, like another day, another dollar kind of thing. That can be that can be painful. That can be a painful existence, feeling like you're not going anywhere, right? Um, Or sometimes we we are trying to you know swing for the fences, but we we set a goal too big for us to chew, right? So how do we break that bigger goal down into smaller goals or smaller steps so that it can feel manageable? instead of overwhelming. And you, you see a lot of this with students and kids where you know they are in a, on, a, they're on a football team, they're on like two different sports teams, and then they are taking a music lesson, and then they're tutoring, and they're volunteering to build homes in Costa Rica. Like they just have so much on their plate because the big goal is to get into some Ivy League school. Uh, and it's like, all right, can we scale back, take smaller steps, Maybe we don't have to go to Harvard, you know, maybe uh, Brown or uh, 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 people who go to Brown are really going to be upset that I said that, Um, (laughs) but, you know, or UCLA or, 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 you know, one of the, a school where uh, the admission requirements aren't as uh, lofty as they are at Harvard or Yale or one of those schools, right? And I'm sure people who went to Harvard are like, how could you put us in the same category as Yale? And then part of the goal setting also, or and part of the, the planning on on life promotion is, how do we address negative beliefs? Now, um, I oh, actually, I haven't even aired that episode yet. When we are addressing negative beliefs, it's not about replacing it with a positive belief although you will read research and hear articles and pot or hear podcasts and other people say you got to have positive thinking. Okay. Uh, before we swing the pendulum all the way to the other side of positive thinking, we will actually want to go from negative beliefs to neutral beliefs. So what does that mean? A negative belief is, uh, I'm dumb. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not smart, Uh, a neutral belief would be, I have a brain, I can read, Um, I can write, I am in college, I am a student, like, so those are very neutral statements, and then from there, we can move into a positive belief, right, where we go from, I have a brain, Uh, brains um, can learn things, so I can learn things that kind of thing right so we are breaking down that belief system into from uh negative to neutral or you know you can even think about it as uh, uh, objective and then we can move that forward to positive like I, I can get you to accept the neutral part right if you um you know people with anorexia or some uh eating disorders where you go, I'm, I'm fat, my body is, uh, or I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, or I'm too this, I'm too that, whatever it is physically, then we can go, I have a body. And that's a very neutral response. And then from there, we can go, I have a body, my body can uh, lift things, it can walk, it can grab, it can sleep, it can lay down, it can crawl, it can roll. Like going into the very objective neutral statements of our bodies, of our mind, of our belief systems, right? Uh, You know, if you say, I hate my parents, I have parents. (laughs) So not going from negative to positive, we want to go from negative to neutral, and then we can work our way forward. Um, One of the things that we can, if we want a metaphor for what it feels like when we are in that dark space, or what someone else feels like in that space. We can use the lighthouse metaphor, right? If you think about a lighthouse, it's very dark at the bottom. Very dark. There are no windows. It it really feels like uh, there's not a way out, but if we climb the steps to the top, then we have a lot of light, and we have a 360 view. It expands our perspective, and what we feel is possible. So, and I love that metaphor because it's you know it's, it's very true. Like it's very dark in the bottom. It's almost like being in a Las Vegas casino, except uh, Las Vegas casinos are very bright, but there are no windows, and uh, it feels like there's no way out if you've been to a Vegas casino. But as we climb the steps to the top, I'm not saying climb to the top. If you're on a rooftop of a Vegas casino then you're like, wow, so much light and so much life. Light and life at the top. But I want to emphasize the climbing the steps, meaning that we have to put in work. We have to engage. It's not that the light will not be brought to us. We must go to it, right? That idea of uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, well, we have to walk through that tunnel. Now, if we're working with someone, who uh, has expressed suicide ideations? Then we can kind of go by the three-three-three method of how they are progressing. Meaning, it takes about three days for assessment to really hear their full story, to to know what their struggles are and their challenges, uh, whether you know at school, at home, if there are um, you know drug-related issues involved, and what have you. It could take about three days of to do a full assessment. There may be underlying medical issues that we need to look at that can't be addressed you know in that 20 minute window. So three days to really do a full assessment, right, uh, which may even mean bringing the parents in or the guardians or or whoever their their support network, three days of assessment, and then three weeks of treatment. Three weeks. So the three days of assessment is really making sure they're safe and secure. The three weeks of treatment is getting them back to neutral, right? And then the three months for recovery. And Now we're talking about life-promoting uh, skills from goal setting to safety planning to collaborating and moving forward, right? Once again, we want to remind them that they're, Uh, Without risk, there is no recovery, right? So we have to take a risk on life-promoting skills in order for us to recover. And it's a great reminder that it's it's not easy. Remember with the lighthouse, we have to climb steps. The light will not just be brought to us. Um, And then wrapping up here, we want to go from feeling fragile and uh, and seeking safety to feeling resilient and reliant. Now, I love the definition of resilient. Resilient is how quickly we can get back to neutrality uh, once we've gone below baseline or into suicidal ideations or into that place, right? When we're in that deep, dark well, how quickly can we get back to neutral? That's, I love that definition of resilient, right? Um, so, for instance, if someone um, takes a few months, if they spend a few months in that deep, dark well versus somebody who takes a few days, you know, that's how we're measuring resilience. Um, or even a few minutes. Some, some people can go down and bounce back. I think that's the beauty for me of meditation where it really teaches us that our brain, our mind can wander off and then we can bring it back to breath. It's a practice of letting go, letting the mind go, letting our emotions flow and feelings, let all that stuff come up and and feel the, the intensity of those emotions, whatever that is, and then coming back to breath. And... And then we wander off again, and the mind starts to think about things that happened years ago or earlier in the morning, and then we come back to breath. And the more efficient we become at the mind wandering and catching it and then coming back to breath, that is resilience. How quickly can we get back to neutrality, right? And then self-reliant, right? We also not only do we want to feel resilient, like I can recover from that deep dark well. Like if I'm at the bottom of that lighthouse, like I can. Um, I, I you know I'm, I used to panic at the bottom of that deep dark well, and now I'm like, okay, I've been here before. I, I I know how to handle this. I have my safety plan. I know who to call. I know to you know to go for a walk instead of a drive. Like I feel resilient, so I don't stay in that deep dark well the way I used to, and it doesn't terrify me the way it used to. And so, once we have that sense of resilience, um, then we can feel self-reliant. And that self-reliant, when we feel self-reliant, now we're gonna go from you know those thoughts of like I feel helpless and hopeless and I feel trapped to now we're saying things that internal dialogue becomes. I can make up my own mind about things. I've been feeling close to other people. I've been thinking clearly. I've been feeling relaxed. I've been feeling optimistic about the future. I've been feeling useful. I've been dealing with problems well and managing them. So now our internal dialogue has changed from one of hopelessness to to hope, right? Uh, I hope that you found some value in this. And, and just to wrap up here is I, I just want us to think about we want to go from self-annihilation to self-acceptance or neutrality to then once we feel like we have that neutrality, once we've stabilized the ships, now we can go on to self-promotion. And, and using that lighthouse metaphor again, it's like, if all of a sudden you woke up at the bottom of this lighthouse, it would be terrifying. There are no windows, no doors, it's black, it's cold, it's lonely, it's isolating, right? And you feel disoriented and, and that's scary, right? But then we we calm down, we slow our breathing, we start to feel the space, we explore it. And then we notice there's a ladder, right? We feel around. We go, oh, there's a ladder. There's some rungs on this ladder. And, and now, you know, we feel a little neutral. And so now we can start self-promoting, meaning we can start climbing that ladder. If we're at the bottom of that lighthouse and we're, we're all freaked out, we, we start climbing the ladder, w- we might hurt ourselves. We might um, climb it too fast and then slip and then fall back down and now we have a bigger injury. So that's why it's so important for us to when we're in that that dark well and that in that at the bottom of that lighthouse to find a way to be go neutral first before we find a way to start planning and thinking about the future and moving forward. If you found any value in this episode, I ask a seven second favor. Share it with one other person, right? one other person. Um, And thank you for sharing and listening and tuning in. I hope that you take a big inhale and exhale. Take one more big inhale and exhale. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute. For us calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers listed in all the show notes, you can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.